Oh, hi, welcome to the study of Revelation. Tonight we are in chapter six of Revelation. And uh, I, I left a patch cord home, Janice brought it to me, thank you, sweetie. And so I copied them, and so the copies, the question chapter seven are out there for you to take home uh, and try to look up answers to them. But chapter six gets a little interesting, and um, I think we all make assumptions when we're reading through Revelation that uh, may or may not be uh, accurate. It's always wrong to make an assumption, but if in the lack of evidence, you just do the best you can and, and try to find it. So uh, we're going to look at this, and, and uh, um, if I were really smart, I would also write myself a teaching outline. Instead of I, I make up all these questions, I'm skipping all around the chapter, kind of doing that, and then I come in here and try to do it. So uh, we'll ask God to help us uh, to, to get through this. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you again for this book. Uh, it's, it's the most uh, different, unusual book in the Bible. Um, uh, as you well know, you gave it to us, but you gave it to us for a reason, a purpose. You gave it to us for the end times, the last days, which we know since Jesus left, we've been in the last days. This is the last things that are going to happen before you establish your kingdom here on earth. So help us to understand, help us to receive from this what you have for us. May it be a warning, a preparation manual, all the things that we need uh, in order to be ready for uh, when you come back. Give us your grace, Lord, and may uh, this uh, spur us to talk to other people who need to hear the message of Christ so that they can be counted in the numbers that we, uh, that we see in heaven in this book. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, I didn't think about this till just I went to say it just now, but chapter 6 is opening of the six seals, all right? And I, I didn't teach this uh, when I went through it. Um, this, this particular book, he talked about what those seals might look like, and we did talk about that a little bit, about we have a book that opens like this, and we call that a leaf book, and they did have some of those, but that wasn't common. Commonly, it was a scroll. And so when we think about that book being sealed, it's, it's closed, and there's seven seals holding it closed. So what does it take for the book to open? Right. So when the first seal's open, it doesn't start what's in that book. These are just the preparations to see what's in the book. The book is God's end time, what he's going to be doing. And so that won't come until later. So I, 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 honestly, I haven't ever, <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but I haven't really ever thought of it that way. And so that's one of those things you just go, oh, this is the beginning of or whatever. Uh, you might think, I quit saying the word whatever. Um, you, you might think that, that these things are within the context of what is, what is happening in the end times. But this is a preparation for those last events. And um, in, as we look at these tonight, um, and, and I, I'm not going to try to go by the questions I asked you. I'm, I'm going to try to just go down this chapter. And uh, I would confuse myself looking back and forth because, like I said, I didn't put them in order in there. But if you have a particular question, please ask it, and uh, I will, my immediate response will be, I don't know. My second response will be, but I'll look that up. Um, but if I do know something about it, I'll tell you about it. Um, but let's just go ahead and look here at the, at the first of the seven seals. Now, just to put ourselves back where we were, in chapter 5, the question is asked, who's worthy to break the seals and open the book? And John begins weeping because nobody could be found in heaven on earth or below the earth to open the seal. And then an angel says, stop weeping for the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the seals. He turns around and he sees, um, uh, he sees Christ, the lamb slain, and everybody starts worshiping and joy and all that breaks out in heaven. And so we come down to the end of chapter 5, um, is, is still the angels and the four living creatures and 24 elders, they're all worshiping. And now that stops, and we start with the opening of the seals. The Lamb is going to open them. So in verse 1, now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say, with a voice like thunder, 
come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. So that's the first seal. Now, there's a lot of things within those few words that we have to think about. So, um, the first part is just simply that the Lamb opens the first seal, okay? We, we told in chapter 5 he was worthy to do that. And John says his, he watches him do it. Um, and then he hears one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. Now, uh, um, if you have a King James Bible and maybe another one, it will say, Come see. But in in the manuscripts, the Greek manuscripts, the word see is not there, it's just come. And um, in this little commentary that, uh, one of the ones that I've been reading, um, he, uh, he gives a lot of references to when the Bible says come, and we won't look at all of them, um, but let me uh, try to help with a little bit. Um, in Romans 8.22, um, I'm sorry, let me, let me skip over that. Um, yeah. Um, where is it? So they, everybody just assumes he's asked to come so that he can see, and so they believe that uh, some people added that word. Um, the best Greek manuscripts contain only the word come. Uh, let me just put it that way. And the other verses, verse 3, verse 5, verse 7, all say come. He's told to come, come, come. So this isn't a one-time event. Okay, just, I just want to get you there. Because if you're used to hearing or seeing or you're, you're using King James or, or something closer to that, um, the ESV is a, a, a newer translation based on the same thing as the King James. There are a lot of intermediates between 1611 and what we have. I and that's why I started using the ESV. I heard a guy reading it, and I said, that sounds like King James, but it's not King James. And I asked him, and it was ESV. And that since that's the one I learned in, it just it made more sense to me. So that's why I got it. So I, I want you to understand that in that verse. But now I want to ask a question and just let you answer it. Who or what do you think this white horse and rider are or represent? Anybody else? I mean, listen, we're, I will not confidently say about most things we'll study that there's a right or wrong answer. There, I know there is a right or wrong answer, but I may not know what that is. So please don't be afraid. Or if you say something and I contradict that, don't, don't freak out about that either because we're trying to learn that together. So I've read a lot about this, and it made me think a little bit harder, so I'm going to help you do that too. Any other thoughts about that? Is it the Antichrist, or is it something else? Okay. Why does an Antichrist or false Messiah make sense in this verse? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to move this mic without rattling. I, I keep bumping it. So I'll try to put it on my sweater. Maybe that'll help. Sorry. Um, okay, any, any other thoughts? Where, where else in the book of Revelation does the color white represent evil? That's the thought that made me hit the brakes. But is that in Revelation? Yeah, yeah. So we're, I, and I'm only containing it to that because the symbolic, the any symbolism John might have used, he'll be consistent within the book. And but we also do need to look at other things. And it's very true. Satan can transform himself to an angel of light, and the Bible says in Corinthians somewhere that uh, even to the fooling of the very elect, that same people can be confused or, or fooled by him. And we see a lot of people fooled by Satan. A lot of things that. He does. He can dress up in some pretty good religious garb. Any, any other thoughts? 
It, it is a white horse. He's wearing a white robe. Um, the rider has a bow and a crown. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say bow? Um, okay. Um, and he came out conquering and to conquer. Oh, there it is. And its rider had a bow. My eyes kept skipping over that. So a, a bow is a, is a weapon, of course. So he is conquering and, and to conquer. Does this rider have to be a person? Not necessarily, because what's the next rider? And, the, and bright red, its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth. Um, so uh, we, we, see, uh, we see this warfare and a black horse that brings economic, um, the rider brings economic things. So it, it's always personified but it's what they are doing is what's happening on earth, right? This is a, a symbolic way of saying this is what's going on on earth and there is some power or entity behind that happening. So I, I'm going to pause it with you because, you know, we can just kind of say, well, it's the beginning of the tribulation, but it's not the beginning of the tribulation. It hasn't happened yet. In Matthew and I think it's Mark, he talks about a lot of things happening. He says, but the end is not yet. The Great Tribulation doesn't happen until later in Revelation even. So this is something or someone else. I'm going to keep saying it like that so I don't give it away too quick. What, what it could be um, or what this could be. The, the white does represent, always it represents purity or righteousness or good. We're given white robes. So there's a white stone with a name written on it. Uh, they're dressed in white. So if, we're, if it's consistent, it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be, you know, that would be a, a way to look at it and you'd have to, you know, make your case. It could be uh, the Antichrist or Satan empowering the Antichrist because he will. Everybody's going to believe in him, right? They're going, not everybody. Christians ought to not. But we, but the world's going to be fooled by him. He's going to say, seem like a savior to everybody. He's going to fix everything that these riders are busting up and breaking, right? But the white one is conquering and to conquer, but is that necessarily a bad thing? To conquer. It could be, exactly. Uh, and, and as Americans, here's what we, we say. When we go into another country, when we commit war, why do we do it? We do it to put down evil and try to establish good in that nation. We, we don't conquer nations and keep them, at least since the 1800s we did. We did that to all the Indian nations, but after that we quit doing that. Um, but uh, I understand Puerto Rico and Hawaii still a little ticked about us getting taken down, but uh, that's okay. Um, so, so when we conquer, we don't conquer to keep it, we conquer to help. We rebuilt Japan. We rebuilt at least West Germany, right? After, after the World War II. So, so in general, conquering sounds like a bad thing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. So let me, let, let me ask you just for a minute to assume it's not a person. Then what is it? Wearing white with a bow in his hand, conquering and to conquer on a white horse and a crown. I'm sorry, my brain's going two directions at once. Uh, where are you? And I looked me on a white horse and the rider of a bow and a crown was given to him. Yes, it is very relevant because that was where I was about to say something. So you're right. What does a crown represent? Let me just ask that. Authority. authority. Yeah, it represents an authority. So what would be riding a white horse with a wearing white? A white horse and the rider had a bow. He doesn't say he's wearing white. And a crown is given to him and he's conquering and to conquer. Well, that would be evil. And I'm assuming the white means good. 
So what could be good with a crown and a bow conquering and to conquer? The Pope. <laughs> the Pope. <laughs> now I said white represents good. <laughs> Is if it's not a person. I'm just asking you to assume it's not a person. I'm telling you, I, I, I did what you guys are doing. I'm like, what? Uh, yes, they are, they are a person. God is a person. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's, just, just for a second, argument. I, I, I'm not arguing the point, but just assume that it is, it is, he's a person. That, that it, is, it is truly good, has authority, it conquers, it's good, it's not a person. I feel like I'm imitating the first President Bush. It's good, it's not a person. It's good. No, I'm sorry. Um, it, it, I'm telling you when I say it, you're going to go, it's so simple, why didn't we see it? Because I did that. It's the gospel. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. You go therefore. Re Rome, uh, Psalm 2. He'll sit here until all his enemies are made his footstool. The gospel is going forth into all the world. This is the, be the remember, we, we, here's what happened to me. I don't know about you guys. But in the 70s, I started learning about the second coming of Christ. I was a teenager. You, I might have started learning it in the 60s. I don't think so, but I wouldn't know what they were talking about. I just knew, yeah, Jesus is coming back, okay? But then we started learning, and I learned one way, and then I learned another way, and so I, 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 that's why I'm a different person now. But um, I was just kind of muddy in my thinking, and I just figured this is the beginning of the tribulation. But the reality is it's not. These are the things Jesus talked about. I, I can look at my little book here again. and I think it's Matthew 24. And um, another spot. And like this book, he gives a lot of reasons why white always represents good. Jesus has white hair. We have white robes. We have uh, the, the elders, all those people. But... Um, this follows also... I, I'm sorry... Um, the, in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, there's a lot of things that happen, and the tribulation follows that. The great tribulation follows that. This isn't the great tribulation. Is there tribulation coming? The rest of these are bad things happening, but it's not the great tribulation. It's not what's, what's going to be the worst part. And that same idea is in what we call the Olivet Discourse, in, in where Jesus is talking um, uh, in John, and in Mark 13, he says the gospel has got to be preached to all the nations, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, Matthew 24, 14. So the writer is not Christ himself, but it symbolizes the proclamation of the gospel of Christ into all the world. The crown is the authority uh, that we have to go and conquer, and Psalm 2, we conquer the nations with the gospel. Now, will we conquer militarily and politically? No. But we do conquer morally as people come to know Christ. Okay? Did God ever promise we'd able to be, to be able to preach the gospel with no opposition? No, the opposite is true. So this setting here is the gospel goes out and then all these other forces are coming after it, behind it, tearing people's lives apart. War, uh, famine, um, I forget what it is, we'll see it when we get to it, I guess. Um, so the second seal opens and the living creature says come, and there's another horse, and this one is bright red. Red represents blood, doesn't it? And red represents evil a lot in the Bible. Um, Esau was red, the lentil soup was red, um, uh, the, our blood is red when it's spilled, when it hits oxygen again. And, as it's, and, and uh, God said to uh, Cain, your, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Um, and, and so, it, 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 red is blood. 
to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. So the sword kills and conquers as well. Um, and in the time of John, was there a lot of warfare in the world? No. What was going on? Right, and what did you call that? There's two Latin words that we, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. They conquered everybody. There was war up to then, but when John was there, war was small. It was, it was skirmishes, it was little tribes. But where he lived in this Roman Empire, there's peace. Yet he writes about war going around the whole world. So obviously he's not doing this because of his context. He's, doing, he's, he's seeing something to come. John is seeing the next, let's assume Jesus come back tomorrow. I don't think he will, but hey, what do I know? I, I'm living like he will. Don't know when it's going to happen. But if Jesus came back tomorrow, John is looking 2,000 years into the future and, and explaining this is what these last, that's what I started to say earlier. I started learning about the last days. I thought the last days meant like when tribulation started. The last days started when Jesus went into heaven and said, go get them, right? And ever since then we've been in the last days because nothing else has to happen except all this process to be fulfilled for him to come. There's no new big thing until way later. He only told us a little bit about that and said, you'll be with me, so I don't need to tell you about it because you'll see it when it happens. So the second horse is creating warfare. Now, after the peace of Rome, man, yeah, there's a lot of war, and it's, and it's increased and increased and increased. And I think it, I, it was Thomas Jefferson that said um, there's, there's no real peace. It's just when nations pause to reload or something along those lines. I, I probably messed up whatever the quote is, and I don't think it was Thomas Jefferson, but, but in today's world, I've never known a time almost that we were not in some warfare, some war. It, from the end of Vietnam till we invaded Grenada, we didn't do a whole lot. But, but since then, we've, we've gone to the Gulf, then we went back and spent 20 years there in Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq. I always say that, Iraq. There's been other wars that we've jumped in and jumped out in Africa and Bosnia, right? Is that where we went in? Um, we've, we've done military strikes. There's wars going on between nations all the time now. So we see this rider having his way today, don't we? The third rider is in, in uh, verse 5, opened the third seal, and I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And the rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Um, a denarius equaled a day's wage. Wheat was what rich people ate, barley is what poor people ate. Because you see, you can get more barley for your denarius than you can get wheat, right? So, I don't know what you make in a day, but think about what your hourly wages multiply by eight, and that's what a loaf of bread costs. So, it's pretty much economic upheaval. Exactly. I was going to say, <laughs> we understand it with eggs right now, but there, there's coming a time when, and, and if you, it, not over most of the world, but in third world countries, it's already like that. They, they can't afford to buy food. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really sad. Um, so we, we see economic upheaval, and we're seeing it more today than, than ever before. And, and I, don't know if, I don't know how much you keep up with all this, and I'm not an expert at any of this, but we have, we have, there used to be a big division between the poor and the rich. There was no middle class. Capitalism in, in the United States gave us a great middle class, and that kind of spread around the world. I did not realize how much what we do affects the rest of the world until Pete and I went to Africa in, in this past August. And the people on the street selling plastic chairs said to us, we were doing real good and then y'all elected Biden and the gas prices went up and now we can't make a living. Is that what they said? Okay, I'm just, I got an unsolicited testimonial there. <laughs> I am not kidding you. 
this African guy on the street selling plastic chairs and other stuff. That's what he said. But yeah, we used to be able to sell them cheaper, but now they cost more. Because America's economy changed. I mean, I, what's it, last year was 22, and he was elected in 20. So in two years, and it happened pretty quick after that. The, they, they cannot get out to some islands because it costs so much to get the gas, to get a water taxi to get out those islands to preach the gospel. They couldn't afford it anymore, right? So they needed a boat, that, and the boat is getting fixed now. Uh, uh, some folks gave money to get that boat fixed, so they'll soon be going back to those islands. But you, they could afford the gas, they couldn't afford to pay somebody else to, for the gas. Um, so we're seeing economic upheaval now, we're seeing warfare, and then he opened the fourth seal, and I heard the fourth living creature say, come, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was death, and hell followed him. Hades followed him. Um, I'm not Greek, I'm English, so hell followed him. And I saw the movie, I, I, I like it when it's quoted that way. And they were given authority over the, a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine, with pestilence, and by wild be beasts of the earth. Any commentary that's in book form on Revelation I'm reading is old, so this is decades ago. They don't even have our modern, what we know now. It, things have sped up. In the 90s, in our first Gulf War, Janice and I have been married about two or three years. Uh, Savannah was maybe not born or just a baby. And we went to a Bible study or something at somebody's house in the church we were in, the younger, the younger people who liked us because we went to a church with mostly older people and we were young. So you know uh, what people see up front is what comes. So all I'm attracting is, is you know, 60s and up now. But um, anyway. Um, that's why you've got to have a, a staff with a, a lot of different ages in it. Um, trust me, that's an important thing. Um, but anyway, so these young people, so we went. It was different churches. And so everybody was worried because we'd gone into the Middle East. We had not been doing war in the Middle East yet. And they're all kind of, uh, kind of worried. And so we're standing there. And, and I said, well, don't worry. If they, if they try to attack Israel then you can start worrying. And somebody looked at them, their eyes went real wide, and they went, they just said on the news, they shot rockets at Israel. I went, oh, great. <laughs> I thought, oh, go, here we go. I thought we were in it, man. And, uh, but of course, um, uh, the Iron Dome, you know, knocks all that down. Do y'all know what the Iron Dome, Iron Dome is? It's the Patriot system yeah. that Vice President Dan Quayle made sure it got made. So you can fuss about him spelling potato right, but the ignorant people didn't know you could spell it that way. Um, or you can say, thank you for giving us the Patriot system to keep countries safe. What's that? That iron dome takes out about right. eight or nine out of ten missiles that they fire into Yep. Well, when our kids first went there, we're, on, we're talking to them, and what is that? Well, they said they were there just a, a little while. And they just heard, middle of the night, heard the roar of these jets going by their, where they were living. And uh, because somebody had started throwing rockets in Israel. And we were like, oh no, you know, they're doing And they said, oh, well, what we're learning is they do that all the time. They throw it out into the middle of the desert, the southern end, and they, they, they're not real, they, don't, they hardly hurt anybody. But if it does get serious, they can stop them with the Iron Dome. And, and so they throw a little like bottle rocket at them and they go back over and you know, level a city. So that's kind of how that works right now. And I was saying that metaphorically, not literally. Um, uh, so that is, that's, that's an area of unrest and will be till the end, right? Um, there, you, got, you got some mean people that, uh, uh, 90, probably 90% of the people live in the Middle East, whether Jew or, or Arab. Uh, would like to just be left alone, live in peace. But um, you got you got people that want to do other things there. But so we see death coming, and a fourth of the earth is is killed with a sword. Now we haven't really seen that yet, have we? We haven't seen a short amount of time where a fourth of the earth is killed. But what do we see? Yeah. Right. Communism, in the 1900s, it was, a, it was a, a century of death. 
I mean, communism killed, like you said, that many. Uh, we lost 50,000 just in Vietnam, right? That was, that was, I mean, that was a big chunk. Yes, tons, tons. So, uh, and now we're seeing what? New diseases cropping up. And I don't want to be conspiratorial, but we do see new diseases cropping up all over the place. Uh, as, as viruses morph and change and things like that, um, new, uh, uh, new diseases are being found, discovered, spread every day. And so now you can get people to panic, say, <gasps> We got a really bad flu and everybody's going to die. And less than 1% of everybody died. This says 25% will die. Mm -hmm. So that's a big difference. In the Black Plague. What's that? The Black, the Black Plague. Plague, yeah. That was, that was population. Yeah, and, and they had no way to stop that. So, so we have seen massive death, and that also is, is, is going to be happening just before uh, the, the tribulation kicks off for real. And then this is, this is that's, that's, that's politically, socially, but boy, check this out. And when the fifth seal uh, is open, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. And by the way, let me just go back. You do the study on the white, the white horse and the rider. But if it's the gospel, there's a picture there of the gospel being preached throughout all this persecution and problems. That's what you're looking at. So then we come, because that's going to feed into this verse. He comes, the fifth seal's open, and I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. Now, why are they under the altar? I couldn't have answered that question. Five hours ago. Well, surely not being squished. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right. They are not. There, there is a very definite reason because there are several altars. Special protection of the Lord. Yeah, yeah I, I believe that does enter it. Absolutely. But, but there's another even more specific reason. When they, when they killed something and offered it on the altar, they would put the blood underneath it as well. They would put it down there. So these martyrs have been martyred, and this is very symbolic, and they are under the altar of their death. Now they're in heaven, but they're crying out. And I, I'm going to ask another one of those questions I never thought about before, but we've got to think about it to get our mind here. They had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. Notice that word born. What does it mean, B-O-R-N, with an E on the end? They had born. That they had maintained? Okay. They held fast. They held fast? If I'm... Yeah, if I'm presently doing it, what am I... If I, I had born something, what am I doing if I'm presently doing it? And if I say, I am bearing. I am bearing up under this. Or I'm, what does that mean? I've got a weight on me, right? So they have let the gospel come on them and they've carried the weight of the testimony of Christ. That's what it's saying. And for that reason, they're put to death for taking the testimony of Christ into the world. Um, and, and by the way, it's easier to die for Christ today than it's ever been. Almost in any country you'd want to live in. Um, we, we've seen great things happening in Africa. We've seen uh, just recently people killed. Uh, I forgot how many. Um, you, you heard in the news, where was that? Um, oh, what country? They killed five and then they killed ten or ten and then five. At, well, it was, it was somewhere in north, it, it was in the northern area of Africa, I think it was Nigeria maybe, but it was the Fulani. The Fulani were killing Christians. And the Fulani is a big tribe of people. Um, they're the oldest uh, they're the first Muslims in Africa, it's the Fulani. Um, and a lot, most of them are very peaceful, but there's a militant group of them uh, growing. So anyway, they, they had carried the word of God. They had borne up under it. They, what did you say your version said, sweetie? They maintained it. They, they didn't put it down. They kept it up. Um, and they cry out with a loud voice, 
O Sovereign Lord. Um, I, I've got to look this up in the book because I will mess this up if I, if I, if I don't. Um, wow, we've covered a lot of pages. I must have skipped over a lot that he says. Um, this word, Lord, um, is not the word kurios that we, that we know of as Lord. It is, a, oh, I know what it says now. I remember, I'll have to look it up. This is the word that we translate despot. D-E-S-P-O-T, it's the Greek word D-E-S-P-O-T-E-S, despotes. It's the despot. And they're crying out, you are, you, you're more than just, you know, because when we say Lord, we think of, yeah, he's really strong and powerful. No, he is all powerful. There is nothing that doesn't happen without his permissive will to put as gently as I can. He is, he is the dictator of the universe. He's omnipotent. Yes, all powerful. And so these martyrs are saying, you're the despot, why are you letting us keep dying? Now, this commentator thinks, well, I'll ask you, who are these martyrs? It's asked later on, uh, in the next, in the next, uh, is it the next chapter? Um, or this chapter? Ones that have been martyred down through the ages. That's another place in scripture. That's another yeah, book called the next chapter. Saints. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. We'll come to that next week. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, it's the next chapter, what I'm thinking of, because an angel asked John next, Who are these guys? And it's martyrs that he's seeing too. But in this chapter, I think my brother's right. Th these are the martyrs of all time, of all the martyrs of all time. So they've been there since uh, Abel. Abel, thank you. Yes, I, I had to go through all the names. Because like I say, I, I remember their names, but as soon as Adam and Eve were Abel, they raised a little Cain. So that's, that's how you remember their names. Um, Cain, Abel, and Seth, right? So Abel is, mar is killed for bringing a blood offering like he should. Not the work of his hands, but a blood offering. Cain brought his labor, and that wasn't good enough. God was just trying to show them a picture, and they didn't get it, and Cain gets ticked, and he kills his brother. So I believe Abel's there, and everyone that's been killed for the sake of the gospel since is there. And they're saying, how long? Because when was Abel? 10,000, 12,000 years ago, 14,000 years ago, somewhere, no more than that, no more than 14. But that's a long time. And they've been under that altar. <laughs> And they said, how long? Now, here's what's really weird. How do they know what time it is? I thought heaven was eternal and you didn't know about time. They know there's time going on. How long? And look at the answer they get. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, doesn't say what you think he would say. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now, I, I, we do need to make a point about that. What does the Bible tell us we are not allowed to do when people persecute us? Get revenge. Are these guys seeking revenge? They are seeking revenge, but they're not enacting it. They're asking God to do it, which is what we are told to do. Leave it up in the hands of God, He's, he, because he knows perfectly. Because you might have gotten persecuted because you're the mess up, and he needs he needs to get you straight, right? But if you, if you did everything right and you're persecuted, God will take care of that. So he tells these guys, um, when they say, when are you going to avenge us? Um, they were each given, and there it is, a white robe and told to rest a little longer. And then here's the scary part. It's not really scary, but we'll just say it that way until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. That'd be the tribulation saints. Well, the rest of and, the yeah. Well, saints till the end. 
so God knows who's going to be killed. Um, I went to the school I went to when I went to seminary, just for short term, just a short word, that school was used, what used to be called Columbia Bible College. They had a graduate school, Columbia Graduate School of Bible Admissions. That's a, it's one of those names. So what they realized in our modern world, because when they were chartered, the people that started the school said, we don't ever want the word Bible taken out of the name. So it's got to always be Columbia Bible College. But then we came to a time in history where if you wanted to go to a country that you're not supposed to go into as a Christian, and they look at your records, and they see that your graduate, your degree came from Columbia Bible College, they're likely to go, I'm sorry, you can't come in, but I'm coming as a teacher. No, you're not. You went to a Bible college. You're going to talk about that Jesus person. We're not going to let you in. So they changed the name to Columbia International University. So that's what it's called now. It's now a university. And the graduate school is now Columbia Biblical Seminary. So anyway, so, so I, 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 went to, I went to school there, and um, I really had a good story, and I spent too much time telling you where I went to school. Um, how what? Yes, thank you, exactly. So, thank you, baby. I really appreciate your help. So anyway, um, y'all met my, most of you, if you were here then, met my best friend, whose name is Trace. I'll quit calling him my best friend. His wife is Kelly. And Kelly has a really, really good friend named Ginger. And Ginger's going to marry John. Well, when I went in 1981, the year before 1980, John's brother, Chet Bitterman, uh, he was a missionary in uh, Columbia, South America. And he was in Bogota, and he was captured by the M-19 group, not M-13, that's the different group, M-19, terrorist, and was held, and then he was martyred. He was killed for his, for his faith. After he was killed, um, they didn't give his wife his diary for years, for two or three years before she got it. When she finally got it and was able to read his diary, it was months before he was captured, at least months, I can't remember now exactly. He had written in his diary, I believe that before revival can come to Bogota, Colombia, South America, someone has to die. I am willing. He wrote that in his diary. Then he was captured and he was killed. There are those that God knows are going to be killed. So they wrote a book called Called to Die, the story of Chet Bitterman. So when Ginger married John, they got married in Charleston because I've graduated, I'm down there, so it's and so John, I lived like 45 minutes away from where the wedding was. I said, can you hide John after the rehearsal so his friends can't drag him out and do weird things to him? I said, sure. <laughs> so John came and stayed at my house, and he gave me a pre-published copy of that book, which I really appreciated. But that, and, and I implore you to get the book, Safely Home, by Randy Alcorn, and read that book, buy a box of Kleenex, dedicated just so when you're reading that book. Um, but but it's a great book. It'll, it'll sensitize you to what martyrdom is and is not and what it means. Um, but these martyrs are in heaven crying out. They're in heaven crying out, how long, how long, how long? And God says, there's still some more coming. Until all your brothers are here, you just got to wait. You got to rest. But here's your white robe. You're good. And they'll be here. And when they get here, we'll have a party. He doesn't say they'll have a party, but that's kind of what it means. Okay, um, I think. So these, and, and they're going to be killed as, you, as you've been killed. Um, there was a time in history when people sought to be killed, but I, I'll tell you a quick statistic, even though we're 23 years past it. More people died for their faith, Christian faith, from 1900 to the year 2000 than died from the time Jesus died to the year 1900. You, you have to understand that. You, it's easier to die for Jesus now than it's ever been. You just got to get in the right spot, and, and it could happen. Yes? I think, too, on that. Um, Please help me. No, no, no. Rest for a little while longer means that they're already resting. I mean, I yes. equate it to, like, if you're taking a nap, then I'm going to get up and go, oh, it's okay. You can rest a little bit longer. Hmm. And if you're already at rest. Sort of like this afternoon. No, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs>
That's a good point. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, in the book Safely Home, there are relatives of a guy that's going to be martyred, and they're watching him. And they keep, they keep asking Jesus stuff, and he goes, hold on. <laughs> and keep I mean, stopping them. Yeah. 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 Wait. Right. Right. I think they have a special place. I think this also points to that. Excuse me. Um, I think that, that they, they have a special in heaven. I mean, they got to be like Jesus. They got to be killed for that. You know, none of us getting out of it here alive, right? So, if I could die with facing the enemy, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There is an urgency. I think it's both, and I th I think we can take both of those things from that. They realize it. They're conscious of it. There's an urgency, but they're also comforted. Nobody's not comforted in heaven. Or to quote the wisest man in the world, remains nameless. Heaven always adds, it never subtracts. It's always better. Whatever it is, when you say, oh, but in heaven I want, yeah, you won't care. <laughs> it's going to be better, I promise. Um, I can promise. Um, so many times I say, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna, I probably won't care all the things I think I'll care about in heaven. Um, anyway, so we come down to verse 12. So then he opens the sixth seal. And, uh, well, I'll wait on that. And I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth. A full moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth. And the fig tree shed its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and every one slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who's seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Hallelujah, victory land. Okay, we're in chapter 6, there's 22 chapters. <coughs> so, remember last week I showed you a timing in Revelation um, that, that we have to, and, and I asked y'all the very first night we came back to this, um, is Revelation sequential throughout? In other words, does it go one, two, three, four, like a list of things happening, and it stays sequential, and number 10 obviously happened after number nine, or is it jumping back and forth? We've seen tonight that it's very possible these first six seals are from Jesus till today, more or less. I think number six hasn't happened yet. Do you? I mean, have y'all seen the sky roll up? <laughs> okay, right, so we have. And, and there's a lot of language in there that we ought to deal with. I don't, I don't like being symbolic unless you have to be, but we know that literal stars that are so many light years away, take the closest one is four years away, if they're falling from heaven, what does that literally mean? It may be, mean that creation is coming apart, which, but that doesn't have to laugh at the millennium. So, so there, there is some meaning there that I am not really good with. I'll reread that and look at it some more, and so maybe I can say better about it. But the blue sky is an optical illusion, right? And, and if you don't like me saying that, just wait till sunset and look at the horizon and tell me what color that is. That's not blue. It's the light coming through the atmosphere that determines the color, right? So will our atmosphere roll up? We won't have an atmosphere. What does is, what is the sky rolling up mean? What do y'all think that means before I get to this? Just because I like this part. <laughs> what do y'all think? Uh, yeah, very, uh, I, I like that simplicity. Just at least some weird stuff's happening, okay? Some obvious signs in the air. What, what else? 
You know, could it, there are some natural things that could happen. I mean, stars can just disappear. I mean, what if they exploded way out there and you, you know, just gone? It looks like it's falling out. We do have a blood moon, yep. We have a blue moon, but that's just a saying. What's that? Yes, it does, doesn't it? What is a blue moon, by the way? I just said that. There is such thing as a blue moon, but it's two full moons in one month. That's all it is. It's the second blue full moon in one month because you should only have one full moon once a month. So when the calendar hits where you got two, that's called a blue moon. All right, so, so we do see time. But, well, here's what I'm thinking is that, well, let me ask you this. Are there angels present in this room? Yes. Yeah, definitely there are. Are there demons present in this room? Definitely are. I have heard them in this building. Well, actually that building, but I've heard them here. Okay? Um, that's a long story, but I'll tell you some other time. Um, they are here. So why can't I see them? Because they're not in this dimension. They're, not, they're here, but they have an ability. So there's a word that modern, I tell you all this about the woo people. It's called a portal that somehow something opens and they can come through. Angels can appear as a human being, can't they? Of course they can. They did in the Bible. They still are able. And the Bible tells us sometimes you entertain angels unaware when you entertain strangers. So be careful how you talk to that guy. <laughs> right? So, so the sky rolling back could be just the opening of the dimension for God for Christ and the armies of heaven to come through. You know, we see something happening. People have seen things like that. Um, we're getting in some weird times, and if you think I'm weird, I'll just say this. The Pentagon has said, oh yeah, we've known a long time. There are things we can't identify flying around. They're under the water. They come out of the earth. We don't know where they came from, where they're going, or who made them. Well, I can tell you who made them, and I can tell you what they are but they're craft that spiritual beings used. But they weren't built in this dimension, but they come into our dimension and fly around and freak us out. Our government has said they exist. Just saying, they finally had to because too many people have seen it. If one person's been right, it busts the whole paradigm. Either thousands and thousands and thousands of people are wrong, or a bunch of them are wrong, but some of them are right. And if only one of them's right, then they're right. And our government has said, yeah, we know that they're, yeah, obviously they're right. Okay, so, um, for those of you who weren't here last week, here we have seven seals. How many got opened? When does the seventh one get opened? What chapter? Yeah. Yeah, we get a whole, a whole chapter with, before the seventh seal gets opened. So I showed everybody this last week. Some of y'all weren't here. So these will be the seals, and... I've got, I've got to space it out so you'll understand when I'm done. So here are the seals numbered. One, two, three, four, five, and I didn't plan ahead. I almost ran out of room. Okay, so there's seven seals. Now, what comes after seals? Trumpets. trumpets, okay? So these are seals. I'll put the S, and then we have trumpets. Now, where do the trumpets go? Now, one, one place the trumpets could go is... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven seals, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven trumpets, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven thunders, and he said, don't write those down so we don't know what happened, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bowls. Don't forget, there's four groups of seven. It's just when he went to write what he said, I saw this. And then he went to write it, and Ann said, don't write that. Don't write that down. That freaks me out right there, <laughs> okay? Yeah. All right, so that's one way it could happen. But here's what I would ask you to do. Go back and read what happens in number six and seven, six and seven, don't know, and six and seven. He just said it's the end of the world in number six of the, Trump, of the, of the seals, And then we got trumpets. Then we got bowls. So are we going to have three big ends of the world? Because 
jump ahead and read chapter 7. Jesus is coming. I mean, seven, the, not chapter 7, seven the seventh seal. Is, he comes back. He comes back. He comes back. It looks like the end of the world and then Christ's coming. So there's two other ways to look at it. It could be that way. I, I could be totally wrong. But in one of them, like a third of the water dries up and a third of the beasts die and a third of the vegetation's gone. Then we come to another one and there's a fourth of it's gone and a half of it's gone. I mean, you run out of stuff after you keep doing it by halves and quarters and three-fourths, right? So, so it doesn't make sense to me that way. Just me, not saying I'm right. So another way you could do it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and this opens one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and this opens one, two, three, four, five. I'll only do the three. I won't keep putting the thunders in there because, like I said, they scare me anyway. But I still have the problem of six and seven happening three times. So let me give you one other way it could be. There's only three possibilities. If you can come up with another one, you can write a book about it and make a lot of money. That number six, or right in here, it opens something, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then right in here, something opens, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And these all line up, and the sixes basically line up as well. And all of these, this is broad, closer, intense. And then everything at the end happens at the end. But he says it three different times, three different ways, because stuff's being, we were going through the seals, and all of a sudden, okay, it's time for the trumpets. I want to ask you a simple question. At what trumpet blast does Jesus come back? It's a simple question, a simple answer. Just quote the Bible. The Lord called and tell me something. Oh. Where, not in Revelation, what does the Bible say? Which trumpet does Jesus return on? The last trumpet. How many trumpets are in Revelation? Trumpets in Rev? Seven. What happens after trumpets in Revelation? Got bowls. So, well, that doesn't matter. Jesus come back at the last trumpet. The last one. And we're going to see that in the middle of the book of Revelation. Right now, we don't care when the first one happens. At the last one, Jesus comes back. You got a problem, guys. Y'all got to figure this out. Sure. But at the last trumpet, he comes back. I don't know. Can you find one? Just find one. And then we'll have to move the, then we'll have to move the rapture to that one. Or the return. No, it's the last trumpet. He'll come at the last trumpet. What's that? What's that? Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. You got a problem. How's Jesus coming back at the last trumpet if you got stuff happening after the seventh trumpet in Revelation? What's that? Well, yeah, that's why I drew that. So you would figure that out. <laughs> obviously, I'm right. No. I'm not obviously right. I'm just saying you've got to account for that somehow. That is a possibility. We don't know. We don't know. We, the people who live through it will know. We don't know. Okay? But you've got you to deal with that problem. Because 
unless one part of the Bible's wrong, or Jesus comes back at the seventh trumpet, or last trumpet. Now, unless there are trumpets after the seventh one, which Mary's right, but find it for me, because I hadn't found it yet. And it may be there, I just, I'm dumb. I miss stuff like, they're comforted, okay? Jan Listen, I I'm gonna let y'all in a little secret. Every week, Janet says, where are you preaching? If I don't remember to tell her, and I give her the text, and she reads it, and she'll ask me, what does that word mean? And I'll have studied all week and go, I don't know. That's a good question. Somebody needs to know that. Let me look it up. Sometimes I look it up and go, it's fine. It's just, it's like knock. Knock means knock, you know. But ask. I know. Ask means to demand something that's due. I never, I never studied that before. And I studied it this week and went, this changes how you pray right here. Lord, you made a promise. And you told me to demand it because you will keep your promises. The tribulation so. The whole world doesn't hear that one, just the ones that are saved and are called up. The last one, everybody hears it. Right, so when the, everybody's called up, everybody will see it yeah. and hear it. That's when Jesus comes back on the Mount of Oz. Right, at the seventh or the last trumpet. Well, we're told to keep our eyes on the east. Yeah, there's, there's not two last trumpets. Only one can be last. So it's just, just a problem I want to give you because you're about to read the next chapter. And a lot of cool stuff's in there. All right, so look what happens to these people. And uh, yeah, we're past the time. Look, look, look what's going on here. At the sixth seal, all this stuff is happening. And the rulers of the world, basically, kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, the rich, the powerful, everyone, slave and free, hide themselves. And they're asking the mountains and rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Right. And that's where we get into symbology. Will the stars fall from the heavens? Will the sky, will we lose oxygen? Will it literally the atmosphere is part? Or is there, is there a, something else it could be? Or is it symbolic of everything's coming apart because Jesus is returning. I don't know. The Bible does talk in other places about the mountains will skip like lambs. I don't think the mountains are going to dance all over the world. It's, it's kind of a metaphorical thing. I, I don't have a good solid answer for you because we're not sure. This is the best John could do for us, uh, basically. But when, when they see the throne and the lamb coming, the sixth trumpet, they know the end is here. I mean, the, si the sixth seal, the seventh one, and if you just look, it's the second coming in, in, in chapter 8. Yeah, they do. They, they know judgment's coming. They're, they're scared. We are going to rejoice. I, I've had a lot of people say that the second coming scares them. I'm like, why? That's awesome. You know, but all this horrible stuff's happening. Yeah, it is. Horrible stuff's happening now. It's going to get worse. But we were, never, we were never guaranteed peace and safety from our God. We only have peace and safety in Him. You cannot take my life without His permission. You cannot persecute me without His permission. Therefore, it comes from God and I can thank him for it. Because you can't do anything to, to me apart from his will. And so I can rejoice in my suffering. I can have joy. And thank you, God, that you counted me worthy to bear this. Think about the John and Peter. They come back from being beaten and imprisoned, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' sake. Man, that's totally opposite to Kenneth Copeland. And, and, and uh, grins and giggles in Houston. I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Joel, Joel yeah, Brother Joel. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Or Paula White. 144,000. Next died. chapter, brother. You know, they stumbled greatly for their faith, but no one could kill them until time came. Yep. I so think the tribulation saved 144,000. I think that's a very exact number. So I want y'all be prepared to talk about that too. Very precise number. Is it only 144,000? 
Of course, Jehovah's Witnesses used to think that, and they passed the number 144,000 like in the 1930s or 40s or something. So then they had to start adjusting. Oh, it's the best 144,000. So it's going to be more than 144,000 believers in the tribulation. Um, yeah, so get ready for next week. But at the end there, what we're seeing, they're asking for death and death won't come. I want you to keep that in mind. We may be able to cover that later. But they're asking for death to come to them and death won't come. They, they, they're not allowed to die for some reason or another. And it may, be, it may have something to do with um, the, the, those that are in that place at that time, because like I said, we see this warm up and he doesn't really give us a time when it clicks over, but then number six looks like the end of time. So I don't know where in there it clicked, except the gospel started being preached and then we come down and um, what happened after, after the fourth horse? We saw the fifth thing and then the altar, the martyrs, which would be the tribulation, and then the end. So, and then it, it's a little bit more, and then a little bit more. We get more and more information as we go. So just keep it in mind. you got to figure out, is it, is it just straight sequential, or does he jump back and forth, and then, okay, all this is happening, now let me back up. You watch a certain series of TV shows, and they'll go back. Oh, 10 years ago this happened, then they come tell you a story. Or, oh, and then tomorrow this, you know. So, Revelation's a little bit like that. So, Hollywood's copying the Bible. Not really. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Again, uh, there's some mysteries here that, that uh, we, we, have, we struggle to unravel. And we know that, that if we need to know this, you will help us unravel it. If, if it's something we just go, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to trust God until we get there, then uh, that's awesome too. Uh, we do trust you. Uh, we're, not, we're not seeking answers as much as we're seeking uh, your presence. Um, your will, um, the, the assurance that you've got all things in hand and nothing's going to take you by surprise. You wrote it in advance so we would know that you know what's going to happen and you're taking care of things. Um, so Lord, may we have that confidence. May we have that, that joy of knowing that uh, indeed you are, you are more than just like a worldly Lord. You are the despot. You are the one who is in control of all things. So we thank you, we love you, we worship you, and uh, God, we just pray you help us to uh, uh, keep our eyes open for your coming as we talk to people on earth about you. In Jesus' name, amen.